0: Good morning, Lindsay Lane North. We are so glad that you have joined us here at church today. My name is Becca and Alan and I are so thankful to live out our dream right here in Elkmont of being a church that is in the community for the community. If today is your first time with us, please fill out the connect card you received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out today. One of our pastors will reach out with a call, text, or email this week just to say thanks and to see how we can minister to you. If there's anything we can do for you while you are here, Stop by our next steps table, and someone will be happy to assist you. We hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy the service.
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our ten thirty service. My name is Will, and I'm the worship pastor. It's good to meet you. If I didn't meet you already, I'm meeting you now. So, uh, anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's good to have you welcome in. Uh, If you uh, if you are a first time visitor, we are thankful for you. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. I'm going to pray for us, and I just encourage you. I say this a lot, I feel like, but I want to encourage you. If you haven't prayed yet today, take just a second. Let's pray together. Let's really align ourselves with the Lord this morning so that we can worship him uh, in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, just for a time to come and to give you praises. God, to sing to you and to give you the worship that you deserve. Lord, I pray for people in here that are coming in here with all different kinds of things. Lord, I pray you would meet them where they are and that, God, you would meet us today, that your spirit would move and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Come on, sing it with me this morning. I raise. I know it can change you too. Come on, sing this with me. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness bleed. I raise a are super easy. Let's lift our voice to the King of Kings. Come on, sing this with me. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Come on. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I'll oh, come on, lift your voice, see you.
1: I'm thankful. I'm thankful this morning to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that no matter what I go through, he is with me. And the same can be said for you. I can look in my life and I can share a testimony a mile long of how I've been in situations and God has brought me through. He has worked and he, he, if he never did anything else, he sent Jesus to be a savior for the whole world. And so this morning, I want to share this with you. It comes out of Psalm 143, verse 5, and it just leads into this next song perfectly. It says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. It says, I stretch out my hands to you and my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And so I encourage you this morning, wherever you're at, to sing and to praise the lord because the bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people and so if we praise him and we lift our voice there's power the holy spirit power can change lives this morning and so let's sing to him and let's reflect on all that he's done in our lives
2: all throughout my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made away way for spring. In every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life all over my life Amen, listen to this Help me remember when I'm weak That fear will come, but fear will leave You lead my heart to victory. Oh. You are my strength, and You always will be. Come on! I see the evidence of Your goodness all over my life, all over my. This morning, I see promises and fulfillment all over my. again oh why should I fear oh the
1: evidence he sees. amen I'm thankful for that I'm thankful that he changes me every single day and makes me more like himself sing this next song with us it talks about that and how he continues to work no matter what we do no matter what we go through he is he is working everything together
2: My mother's womb. My future and for my good you make all things work together for your glory and for your name thank you Jesus you're not too far away Listen to this, there's a healing light. There's a healing.
1: Up every time we think that He can never save us from this, He does, and He changes us. Listen to this. And when I die, Lord, remind
2: me that I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a Potter on the canvas and the clay, and I know nothing has been wasted, no failure, or mistake You go.
1: to him this morning. Sing
2: this. Oh, I surrender. Give it to him this morning.
1: every care on this morning. Sing one more time. Oh, let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus. We thank you for the power that's in the name of Jesus that can change hearts. It's changed my life. It's changed many of our lives. And Lord, I know that, God, we're two or more gathered. You are there. And so, Father, I pray that your presence here would change people. I pray that our church, God, would be so on fire for you that people couldn't help, God, but to change when they leave this place. I pray we would, God, we would meet with you. We have already met Lord, and the spirit is in the room. And God, we pray that you would change lives through the gospel, God, of your son, Jesus Christ, the only name that could ever be worthy to be sung at all, the name of Jesus. I pray that people would be changed because of the name of Jesus this morning. I pray for our pastor, Lord. Speak through him, Lord, through your word, God, that that you have given to us. Speak through our pastor a word, Lord. Remind us of why we do what we do. Remind us of why we are where we are. And God, our purpose as your children. Lord, we thank you and we praise your name. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. As everybody's having a seat. Welcome in. Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. If it is your first time, man, we're glad to have you. If I haven't met you yet, uh, I want to do that, so I'll be as you leave today. Um, go by the next steps there. We've got a gift for you that we want to get in your hands. No strings attached, but I want to be able to meet you. So uh, we we are glad to have you here. And we're excited what God's doing in our church. Man, uh, I had a good time over at Bethlehem. We uh, Last week, we were there celebrating their centennial anniversary, so 100-year anniversary uh, for Bethlehem. And so uh, they wanted, they brought us in, brought me in, which I was honored uh, to do on such a momentous day. Uh, they were celebrating what God has done here in Elmont as a result. Uh, that's the church I grew up in. My dad is still the pastor there. Uh, and so uh, we appreciate that. Appreciate Joseph coming in doing a, a great job. I told the first service, uh, I went ahead and called him midway through the week and corrected all of his theological errors. So you won't I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, he did a great job. And uh, man, we we're. I'm so thankful to, to hand it over to him. If he just had. A little more passion, we'd be in business. Um, we are continuing though our series on story. And I want to say this too. Um, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but man, we have an incredible children's ministry. Um, last week, this this over the course of this summer, now summer now, we averaged over 50 kids birth through fourth grade. Uh absolutely fantastic. Last week we had 58. Give you an idea. We had 58 kids. uh, And I don't know if you've seen our space, our accommodations for them, but we are busting at the seams uh, for them. And so, man, we want to be a ministry to young families. And I just want to share this with you because I think you need to know. uh, We have been praying about a space for kids to fix our immediate needs. We're looking long-term as well, but those are long ways away. We need something yesterday, right? And uh, God has miraculously provided for us. So if you notice in the back of our property, things are cleared out. Uh, we are making room for a portable that was given to us by a church in Mobile, just given to us. Like they, they weren't using it. They, it's storage for them. They gave it to us. So it gets better. They gave us a portable, which they're we may do a, may need to do a little bit of work, but it's in really good condition. So they gave us the portable. Then we talked to Alabama State Board of Missions. They are paying the thousands of dollars, maybe tens of thousands of dollars to... Have it transported from Mobile here because of what God's doing here in Eltmont. They are footing the bill for that, and so we're getting we're getting it for free. And we even had a church member, Bodie, and them uh, cleared the land to make ready. So we are ready for it to go in now. We've got small fees to re- reconnect, connect plumbing. Hey, y'all, we get bathrooms that don't have curtains. Uh, And so we got two working bathrooms that'll be going in there. And so, man, God has really, really provided. Um, We don't celebrate stuff that God does, things that happen a lot that Will and I see. And I just, I want you to celebrate. So would y'all just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Man, God provided in an awesome, awesome way. Um, And I just felt like you needed to know uh, because... It's awesome. And it's 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 amazing to see God provide and how God continues to meet our needs time and time again. But turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter thirteen. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I'm just excited about it, doggone it. So I was gonna tell you. All right. Uh, We are continuing our series in story. All all four of these messages will be in Matthew chapter 13. You heard about the parable of the four soils or the parable of the sower uh, last week uh, from Joseph and this week we are talking about the parable of the wheat and the weeds. How many of you have somebody in your life, (laughs) I'm laughing because I know these people, That every time you get together, something happened in your life together with this person. And maybe the only connection you have with this person, like, involves this one thing. And every time you're around them, they always bring up one thing. They bring up that certain thing that was funny, that was hilarious, that you did when you were in high school or college or, you know... a game that you played, a a sport that you played, or a season that you played together. And every time you're around that person, you just know you're going to have to deal with that certain conversation. It's it's coming, they're going to talk about one thing, right? Does anybody have people like that in their life? Or is that just me as a pastor? Because sometimes like my connections with people in the community only run like, you know, through a couple of Things like I've handed them a hot dog. Or you remember that time that you sneezed and handed me the hot dog. I'm kidding. I hadn't done that. Right? But but when you see these people, like, you have those conversations. And you're like, I know this is coming. And so you see them walking. You're like, we're going to have to talk about it. Like, it's going to happen again. Some people, though, this is their whole life. Some people only talk about one or two things in their whole life. You think, man, it would be really boring to be married to this person. Because that's all they talk about. Right? Some people, it's politics. Right? That's, that's. That's the interesting one. Now, that's the combative people in the room, right? They want to talk about politics, and they will talk your ear off. Whether conservative or liberal or independent, uh, whatever, they will talk your ear off about politics. We live in the South, right? Some people like to talk about sports. Now, sometimes it's their college team. Thank you, Will. It's always There's always one. Sometimes they're talking about their college team. Sometimes they're talking about their kid's team, they're living vicariously through their children, right? And so they're talking about their kid's teams and how their kid hits it further than your kid. Or, uh, you know, like they're, they're always talking about sports, right? It's just it's something that's just ingrained in them. They're going to talk about one thing. When you see this person, they're going to talk about sports. Uh, there's, there's other people. Some people like to talk trade, talk their job and their business. Uh, yesterday, I was at a birthday party and I was in a circle of a group of men, and they're farmers. Guess what we were talking about? Farming. Guess who has nothing to bring to that table? Right here, baby. Right, like I'm, I'm sowing heavenly seed. I don't, I know nothing of this. Yeah, that's right. I know what the, I know what this series has told me. Apparently, there's good seed, good soil, and bad soil. That's all I know, right? So, like, I know what the Bible allows me to know on this, and that's about it. So. But they were talking trade, right? Why? Because it's natural. It's what we do at times. I have an uncle. <laughs> Every time I'm with him, I hadn't thought about if family watches this, but online, I'm the broadcast everywhere. I did not thought about that just now. I have an uncle that is a conspiracy theorist. And so like he is talking about how the government is wired into everything that you're doing. He's talking about drones that are in the sky, that are watching everything you're doing. Uh, Man, there's some really outrageous things that are out there that apparently people believe. And my favorite thing, because we did this to Becca, my favorite thing is when new family members come along, right, or boyfriends or girlfriends or fiancés or future spouses or whoever, our job as a family that loves this uncle is to make sure that they get trapped in a room together. And then they find out, well, we already knew that you don't want to get trapped in that room, right? And so like, and so everybody knows those type of people. We talk about the kingdom of heaven. We talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus had one of those things. When people saw Jesus coming, in the world and the context that he lived, the people understood and knew that Jesus was going to talk about one thing and one thing only. Alan, what do you, you know, prove it. All right, glad you asked. Acts 1, if you want to turn there, it's sitting in your notes. Acts 1, if you want to turn there. Jesus and Matthew 13 is talking about the kingdom of heaven in fact and the kingdom of God. In fact, we may have to come back to, to more in in on this subject of what the kingdom is like. He's telling it in parable. Jesus was the, the greatest storyteller ever told, ever known, right? And so he's talking in parable, he's talking in story, disclosing things about the kingdom of God. But listen in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus is spending his last 40 days with his disciples. He's already been resurrected. right? He's already died, been resurrected. He's got 40 days here on earth before he ascends. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Before... I studied Acts and, and recognized this. I would have told you, if you would asked me what Acts is about, I would have said it's about the New Testament church. This is wrong. This is a limited understanding. Yeah, it includes stuff about the New Testament church. But the story of Acts, the book of Acts, is the historical account of the movement of the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God and how it plays out not with a Jesus in flesh, but Jesus that has been resurrected and has ascended and that is reigning in heaven. And it completely saturated everything that the disciples did. So that's the first book of Acts, first chapter of Acts. Let's look at the last chapter of Acts, Acts 28 30 31. This is Paul. And Paul is sitting in house arrest, pawpawing it on the porch in his rocking chair talking to anybody that'll listen. Listen to what it says. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming what? The kingdom of God. This defines the New Testament church. This embodies what Jesus talked about over and over and over again, which begs the question, what in the world is it if I went through this room and I began to ask you what the kingdom of God is, I bet you I would get no answer the same. Unless you just memorized it from a systematic theology book, no answer would be the same. Right? We all have this understanding of, yeah, we're about the kingdom of God, but what does that mean? Well, Jesus describes it a ton. Jesus describes it over and over in Matthew 13 and elsewhere. Jesus describes what the kingdom of God is like. And so we have to take our cues from what Jesus taught. Now. In retrospect, I should have put this on the screen because apparently it's a lot to write down. But this is a good definition, all right, of the kingdom of God. So if you're ready, get your pencil right or text it to yourself if you're a teenager and you text faster. Whatever you got to do, this is good. This is a great working definition of what the kingdom of God is. There are older people looking at younger people saying, hey, you got this, text it to us, all right? All right, this is what the kingdom of God is. It is God's sovereign, don't worry about the spelling, you'll know what you mean, God's sovereign activity throughout history in all creation. Go back. God's sovereign activity throughout history in all creation. Resulting <laughs> resulting in people being in a right relationship with himself. Let me say it again. Everybody freaking out. All type A's are freaking out. The kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity throughout history in all creation, resulting in people being in a right relationship with Himself. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he is talking about it in very specific terms. And there are nuances that you must understand about the kingdom of God. If you are a part of the kingdom, we should understand and be able to mind what is being said. Jesus spoke in parables so that we as the church would understand. The, the Christians, those that are of his kingdom would be able to understand and discern its truth. So we need to know what he's talking about. And so it's a worthwhile endeavor that we understand. If we're going to start talking about parables and talking about the stories that Jesus tells to have eternal weight, then we need to start at the kingdom parables. And so we found it. We talked about the parable of the sower. Now, the parable of the sower is interesting because it's the only parable that does not say "and the kingdom of heaven is like" or something like that. It does not use a simile, a comparison using "like" or "as." Thank you, Miss Bedingfield, sixth grade English. Right? Uh, it is. It doesn't use a simile. It just jumps right into the parable. Why? Because the parable of the sower is the start of the kingdom. It is where the kingdom begins. The kingdom begins with seed that is sown. Seed that is sown, which is seed of the gospel. The gospel is the launching pad for the kingdom of God. If you believe in the kingdom, if you are a part of the kingdom, you have access to the kingdom by means of the gospel. right? And so it begins, it is your entryway into the gospel. It is the gospel or into the kingdom. It is the gospel that has been sown in my heart and in your heart right but the gospel falls everywhere the gospel goes to all nations and to many people right some receive it some are choked out receive it and are choked out some are burned up before they ever have a chance and some of the birds of the air swoop in and destroy right this is the parable of the four soils right and so if you have a relationship with Christ you that gospel seed has found good soil in your life right and God has cultivated that to bring forth fruit. So then Jesus begins. Now that he has begun the kingdom, this is where the kingdom starts. We see the separation of the kingdom. The parable of the wheat and the weeds is, shows the, se- the separation of the kingdom. The first thing we're going to find is the problem. Matthew 13. We're going to see the problem the problem in the parable is identified by Jesus in verse 24. Listen to what he says. He put another parable before them. Wow. We, let me just try that again. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Father, bless your word. Bind it to our hearts. And let us never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So within this story, here's the problem. You've got two different growths in the field. You've got two different plants, two different types of fruit that is being produced. The wheat bringing forth the grain, and then you've got the weeds that are not productive at all. That is the apparent problem, but that is not the totality of the problem. Because it's not just the plants that you've got to worry about. The problem is not just that there's two plants, but those two plants have resulted from two very different types of seeds. There, are, there is good seed, there is grain that is planted to produce wheat that would produce more grain, and then there is weed, there is a seed seed. That is producing weed. So it's not just that there's two plants. The, the problem was way before that. They just didn't see it till now. right? The, the, the servants didn't see it until it sprung up. But the two different types of plants. Come from two different types of sle- seeds. Now hold on. Stay with me. That's not the real problem. The problem is. The, plants that pro- the seed that produced the plants. Came from two very different. Sources. Very different people with very different intents. The first good seed came from the sower, came from the one who was looking for produce, one that was looking for a return on his investment. He was creating a cash crop in order to produce for his living, right? For a productive reason. You have the sower who had good things in mind. For the field that he was cultivating. but Then you have what's known as the enemy. The enemy who would sneak in while they're sleeping and would sow this bad seed. It's not the seed, it's the source, right? They come from a very different source. But it's obvious when the plants grow up that we have got a major problem here. The determiner of what fruit was produced was from what source the seed came. The one that intentionally sowed for productivity reaped in a grain, in grain, reaped in wheat. The one that sowed for counter-productivity reaped in weeds. They came with two very different intent. The farmer in this story Jesus tells us later, is the Son of Man. He's identifying it as himself. The Messiah who would sow the seeds of the good seeds of the gospel, right? These good seeds of the gospel will enter into the world and they will take root and they will grow up healthy. The good seed... Or, or excuse me, the, the, so the farmer, the son of man, through the gospel sowed good seed in the field. He tells us later, the field is the world, right? But an enemy, which he identifies later as the devil, we'll read it, sowed bad seed, and the two sprang up at the same time. So we have two different plants that, are, that have been produced that are competing for the same nutrients within the soil. The problem is not realized until the plants begin to spring up producing fruit. But what this tells us is, so, so it's not maybe what is presenting that's the problem. It's the problem that the enemy was there from the get-go, right? But the result is the same. When you start seeing the fruit, you understand a lot more about where it came from, where the seed came from, right? And so the two were growing up together while the fruit is, and so in your notes, the seed is known by what it produces. The seed is known by what it produces. Though they couldn't tell, though they didn't know what was going on, over the course of time as the plant sprung up, they realized they had a major issue. Jesus would say it this way, they will know you by your fruit. Right, And so if we understand that the fruit that we produce comes from the seed that's been planted in in us that comes ultimately from the person who planted it, we understand a lot about who we are as people. My friend, if you are producing fruit in your life that is sinful, if you are living in a lifestyle of sin, Please understand that the seed is identified by the fruit, and it's difficult to make the argument that you have a good seed of the gospel planted within you when y'all, y'all you are bearing is bad fruit. Does that make sense? And so what I'm not talking about here is fruit that determines salvation, all right? I'm not talking about a works-based salvation, but listen to this. And I wrote it down. It took me a minute to get there. And so I want to read it straight from my notes. While fruit is not vital for salvation, fruit is not vital for salvation. We were not talking about works-based salvation. It does show the viability of salvation. Let me say it again. While fruit is not vital for salvation, it does show the viability of salvation. What does that mean? If you are in Christ, if you are from a good gospel seed, you will produce good gospel fruit. So if you look at your life and all you see is bad fruit, all you see is despair, all you see is destruction, all you see is pain then my friend, let me encourage you to look to the seed. And let me ultimately encourage you to look toward the sower who gives good seed, who casts good seed of the gospel in my life and has made it available to you as well. Right? Because it's the fruit of our life that shows how viable our salvation is. There's a lot of people that are assured of a salvation in this world that don't have it. Why? Because all they're producing, I mean, the servants are looking at the plants and going, well, it's obvious now, this is a weed and this is, a, this is wheat. There are people leaving weedy lives, and they are assuring themselves that they're wheat all along. So what's the plan? Two, two plants are existing. Secondly, let's look at the plan. Matthew 13, 28 through 30. He said to them, an enemy has done this. It's an enemy that's done this. So the servants said to him, then what do you want us to do? Go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So what's the plan? The servants say, hey, these weeds are a problem. Let's go pluck them out. Let's go get them. Let's go take care of it so you've got a pure crop again. And the sower, the farmer, knowing that in plucking out the weeds is going to damage some of the wheat, values the wheat too much to take that risk. He allows them to grow together. So, the other day, (laughs) I've got a a new tool that I enjoy Um, it's a hedge trimmer. I actually forgot this illustration in this first service. Super bummed about forgetting that. And if y'all were here a few weeks ago, you noticed some vines getting rather grown up on this left side of our, as you pull in. Um, So I got my new tool, which is a weed eater, but it has a hedge trimmer attachment. And I went to work trimming these hedges, okay? I trimmed the the crepe myrtles outside. And I started trimming these crepe myrtles, but all of a sudden I realized something. The crepe myrtles aren't the real problem. This little demon weed is. Who can tell me what this is? It's a vine. It's a kudzu. It's kudzu. This is kudzu, and it grows like crazy. I guess it's what happened when you just hewn out a little side of the, the ridge and put a church in. Like, apparently, kudzu's all around, and eventually it grows up into stuff that you have. And so I began cutting these vines, and it didn't look any better. It, they, things were still drooping. It was still. It was, I didn't want to just halfway do it, and so I had to cut. More and more and more. And because I hated this stuff, I started cutting more and more and more. And if you go out there right now, you will see where the kudzu has grown, what had grown up, because there's a lot less crepe myrtle than there is in some of the other places. Why? Because I had a hatred for this stuff. This looked bad. It didn't look good. It didn't fit with our landscaping, right? And so there's some places out there that looks a lot more sparse because this kudzu, I got to get rid of it. But in my hatred for this, I also killed the productive thing. I killed the pretty thing. The sower didn't make that decision. The sower wasn't so concerned with his hatred for the weeds that he made the wheat suffer. The plan was, let's grow them up together. Let's grow them up together because the wheat is that important to me. The farmer decides that the two types of plants are allowed to grow and thrive together until the time of harvest. And this is the way that we find ourselves. This is where we find ourselves today. Awaiting a harvest, right? But looking around and saying, why does good things happen to this guy? Why do bad things happen to me who's trying to live a righteous life? We look and we have this understanding of justice that good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. But yet Jesus would say the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The reverse of that is also true. Good stuff happens to good people and bad people. One of the great uh, cries of the entire Bible is how long, O Lord? We see it in David's life. We see it in the history of Israel. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in the minor prophets. We see it in the major prophets. We even see it, guys, in Revelation. In Revelation, there is a multitude under the throne that has been affected by the weeds in their life, that have been affected by those that are counter to the gospel, and they are crying out, How long, O Lord, till you judge the world? When do they get what's coming to them? This is the question that humanity poses. Well, here I am, righteous and pious. How dare God bless? How dare good things happen to someone who's living a sinful lifestyle? But this is the state that we find ourselves in the field. The wheat and the weeds Are growing together and in fact in order for the wheat to get the nutrients it needs the weeds get the same nutrition the weeds get the same attention They grow up together. Listen to this in your notes. The salvation of the wheat Is more important than the destruction of the weeds This is the decision That the sower makes It is better for the wheat That the weeds remain until the time of harvest, than for me to go pluck the weeds now and potentially harm the wheat. The wheat means more to me than these sorry weeds, so let's let them grow up together. It's the love of God for his church that prolongs the judgment of God on evil. And on iniquity, can I tell you, I'm glad it tarried past the time of my salvation. I'm glad Jesus didn't come back before I found him. And yet we would leverage eternity against somebody else because we see injustice in our day. The weed and the wheat growing up together. It is God's love for the church that prolongs his judgment of the world. So we take our perspective from the one who planted us. The wheat's job is not to choke out the weeds. It's not to make sure the wheats don't thrive and prosper and to talk down on them and to to try to reject them in our life. Our job is to continue to produce grain, to produce fruit on fruit, on fruit, on fruit. Warren Wiersbe says, "If it's not for believers to pull up the false, but to plant the truth. We sow seeds of the gospel. We produce fruit in our life so that people may see the viability of the difference in our life. And bring glory to the sower. Because to live with this mentality of, man, I wish these people got what was coming to them. To, and listen, man, there may be some wide open hurts in this room. There may be somebody that has hurt you deeply, cut you deeply, that is lost and on their way to hell. But to live with the mentality that it's not fair is to miss the purpose that the wheat exists. The wheat doesn't exist to just grow. That's not why people plant wheat. They don't plant it to grow. They don't just plant it to grow. That's not the only reason for the wheat. If that was the only point is to see the wheat and see that it looks pretty, well, then it could probably be concerned with the weeds. But that's not the point of the wheat. Thirdly and finally, let's look at the point. Matthew 13, 36 through 43. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, Jesus. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, right? Those that have received the gospel. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Can I just stop right there for a second? There is a teaching that is dangerous in our world. There is a pulp theology that says that we are all God's children. My friend, if we believe that, we have a very, very perverted and limited view of who God is. If we believe that we are all God's children, then we are missing who god really is jesus doesn't say we're all god's children pharisees and sadducees so come together and let's sing kumbaya no he calls them things like whitewashed tombs and brood of vipers and things like people are going dang dead gum right why why does he say it because they're not of the father their father god they're of their father the devil We are born into sin. We are born as children of wrath. And for us to receive the gospel, in order for us to be children of God, we must be adopted into His family. My friend, the, the, the person that you go to ch- the ch- the work with, the person you go to school with, the person that you share cubicles with, the person that you share a ball fill with, they're not God's children. If they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they hadn't received the, the, the good seed of the gospel. They're not God's children. They're lost and on their way to hell they are children of wrath. As far as God is concerned, the only thing that God can do in response to their sin is to look on them in judgment. That's it. We can't buy into this just lowered status for those that have a relationship with Jesus and those that do not. This is good seed and bad seed. And so we're not all. Children of God. And so we should work tirelessly because here's the point the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvest is the end of the age. If you want the point to this parable, Underline that in your Bible. The reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. And throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father who has ears. Let him hear. As believers... Our job is not to look at the present day circumstances and go, I don't think that's fair. Or I think this person deserves better or worse than what they're getting. Because the wheat's job is to grow to the harvest. As believers, we are not just called to coexist with the world. We are called to live in light of Jesus coming again. There will be a time of harvest in the future where bad seed, listen, we should look forward to it with anticipation because the wheat, the grain, finally gets to be put to good use. Of course, a weed would fret and would worry about the coming destruction, but us as wheat, we've been transformed. We've been changed. We have productivity for the kingdom of God. We eagerly await Christ's coming. But the weeds... Have reason to live in today. Because tomorrow the news is grim. And so we come to the harvest. The weeds are destroyed. And the weed is preserved. And the teaching is so important that Jesus brings it up again in another parable. He talks about the parable of the net in Matthew 13, 47 through 52. And it's this idea of someone throws out a cast net and he reels it back in. And he doesn't just get good fish that he wanted to get. He gets nasty fish that he don't want to get. Right? He gets the carp. He gets the nasty stuff with the bass and the brim and the crappie, right? And the catfish. He gets it all. And what does he do? He discards. He throws away the bad fish and he puts the good fish over for gain. Church, we are called to live in light of the harvest. As the church, as the grain. It's why we exist. We exist for Christ's return. And we exist to make ourselves ready and to make the world ready for that return. In your notes, the church should live in light of the promise of tomorrow instead of the problems of today. The promise of... Of tomorrow, that Jesus is coming quickly. Two weeks ago, as I was writing out the different views of eschatology, right, of the end times, and I was writing out all the millennial ideals, the real reality is he's coming quickly. Are we ready for his coming? My friend, we don't have time to get so caught up in today that we miss the fact. That the harvest is coming tomorrow. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and you need to make any decision for Christ. You're the most important person in this room. The harvest is coming. And if you are here and you would look at your life. And you would determine, you would realize. That based upon the seed that you produce. Either one, you know that you have bad seed or two, your seed is obviously not viable. The salvation that that you claim has never produced fruit in your life. My friend, if you're there, let me assure you that the sower is casting good seed of the gospel to you today. The question is, Will you respond to it? Can you, will you respond to the gospel of Christ and allow him to transform your seed, transform who you are supernaturally through the implanted word of God? If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, whether that's through reflection You recognize that as not producing that fruit or maybe you just know that you're outside of that relationship. My friend, that seed is made available to you. I pray that you would be good soil, that it would find root in your life and it would bear 160 and 30 fold. So this invitation is for you. Alan, I know... That I don't have a relationship with Christ. He's never changed me from the inside out. He makes himself available to you today. When I say amen, you have the opportunity to respond. You can get up from where you're standing. You can come to this center aisle, find me here at the front. We've got counselors. Would love to talk to you about how you can know you have this relationship with Jesus. This is what He offers for us today. What an incredible love! intentional effort made by our sower to produce great fruit in our life. But maybe you're here and maybe you know that you have a relationship with Christ but and your focus has been on a lot of things of today. And you've been so bogged down, you've been so distracted that you can't live for the harvest because you're living for the here and now. Those of the kingdom live differently than the world. This is the separation that we see. Though they may prosper the same today, one day all will be made right. So would you live in light of that fact? Would you, maybe, maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to find a church home that's going to keep you accountable to do those things. Whatever decision you need to make, pray that you would, that the seed would find good soil in this room. Father, be glorified and lifted up in these moments. In this room, but more importantly than that, in our hearts, in our individual hearts, may the posture that we take reflect the conviction of your Holy Spirit in our life. And may we move and respond to that. Respond to your goodness that intervenes on our behalf. God, may we just reach out to you. Father, I pray for one that needs to make any decision today pray that we do that. I pray for the one that may need to take an opportunity just to spend time here at this altar laying down things that are weighing them down in this world. Maybe praying for another that they know that is dealing with difficulty and sin in their, in their, in their lives. Maybe they need to intercede for somebody. Maybe they need to make their altar their seat. But I just pray that we would be obedient to you in these next few moments. May you receive glory for everything done and said in this place. In your holy name we pray amen amen would you stand to your feet as we respond today would you respond to Christ respond to whatever it is that he is doing in your heart would you just respond to him
2: come out of sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let us begin come find your mercy oh sinner come earth has no sorrow that heaven came to you. earth has no sorrow that heaven came to you. Lay it down, church. Lay it down. So lay down your burden.
3: God, I I pray for what you're doing in hearts and lives in this room. Maybe those that are listening online. And Lord, we know that because your word tells us that it's not going to return back void. And so, Father, your kingdom has been revealed to your people. God, I pray that we would make the adjustments necessary. God, whether that's responding first time to a relationship with you, God, whether it's renewing that passion and vibrancy for things of the kingdom. Whatever the case may be, may we return back to our first love. May we return to you in all things. God, as we sing this chorus one more time, God, I pray for the one that didn't respond, that needs to respond today. I pray that you would move on their heart and move them to act and respond. we thank you for your kingdom that though you could use any other means at your disposal, you've chosen to use us to be your agents of change and transformation in our world. God, let us do that this week. Let us get serious about that. Let us make that priority in our life to bear fruit, 160 and 34. God, we thank you for what you've done in this place. In your name we pray, amen. Check out these announcements.
0: Good morning, y'all. Here's a few things to remember before you leave today. Guess what? It's that time of year again. Our home group sign-ups begin today. If you've been looking for a way to grow your faith and build relationships, we encourage you to consider joining a home group. There are multiple options so that you can find the right one for you. Stop by the table in the foyer and sign up to learn more. Next, we volunteered to bring breakfast for the football team on August 20th for their first game of the 2021 season. We're looking for volunteers to cook and serve the food that morning. If you can cook or serve, sign up in the next steps table today. And with school starting back, I'm sure most of us anticipate Friday night lights at Boss Hill Stadium. It's certainly an exciting time of year. And here at North, this time of year, it's special. We get the opportunity to be the light of our community by serving the concession stand for the Red Devil home games. Our first date is August 27th. So please consider signing up. And last thing, students, it's hype night tonight at five o'clock. You don't want to miss it. We've got a lot of great things planned. We hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time.
4: And it's always good to see everybody here today. want to let you see something here. This is something that uh, Pastor Joseph handed me earlier today. He said it's not mine though. This is Aftershock's earbuds, which are like the best of the best, I think, uh, as far as earbuds go. Uh, these are wireless and these are for you if. You are the boy or girl who brings the most friends with you tonight to hype night. Um, Yeah, yeah. So Joseph's already said he's not getting me one, so I'll have to buy my own, which I just might do. I don't know. I also want to let you know that the offering buckets are in the back. If you came prepared to be faithful in your tithes and offerings, uh, you can use the envelopes in the chair backs to do that on your way out. Uh, If you're a guest with us, you should always know that we never ask our guest to give in cash or check if you'll just give your uh, Connect card in the offering bucket on your way out and let us know you were here. Uh, a couple other ways you can give, you can text NORTHGIVE to 31996. You can give online to org. Uh, also, if you're watching online, thanks so much for tuning in. You can give to the address at the bottom of the screen, as always. All right, uh, you've noticed on the back of your bulletin, I, I call this out from time to time, there's a little scanny thing in QR code. Uh, if you can always take a picture of that and sign up for anything that's going on, uh, that's concession stands, that's breakfast, that's any service we're doing. That's also groups. You can sign up by texting for that. Men's, women's, and home groups. You can sign up for any of those right there. You can also see me at the home groups table in the back on your way out. We're so excited to get our groups going this semester. Even if you were in a group last semester, go ahead and sign up again just to let us know you're planning on coming back so we don't fill up a house without you in it. We don't want that to happen. All right, uh, lastly, I want to just call out uh, Pastor Allen was at Bethlehem last week for their 100th anniversary. This week is actually our second anniversary here in Elkmont at Lindsay Lane North. Uh, two years ago this weekend, we set up in the old gym over there, loaded in, loaded out. Man, it's, what, what a blessing God has given us in the last two years. And go ahead and pull out your phones, and you can mark Sunday, August 20th, 2119. That will be the date of our 100th celebration. You don't want to miss it. There'll be food. There'll be a good time. And it'll be at all of our Lindsay Lane North campuses. So mark it down. You can choose anyone you want. I probably won't be there. (laughs) But if if you're still around, make sure you're there. And on that note, I love you guys. Y'all have a great week. Y'all are dismissed.